back, guys, and welcome to the Movie Overload podcast. Each week, we cover one of the 100 essential films from A Trip to the Moon to Parasite and everything in between except Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. <laughs> I'm Hannah. I'm Reese. <laughs> I'm Just Hunter, I guess. Just Hunter? Just that's Hunter. That's all left. Hmm. You gotta say he's the guy in the corner. Well, I mean... Oh. You are in a corner. Am I? Yes. And I am I uncomfortable with you being here. <laughs> oh. So, you I know. Can, I so, yeah. <laughs> hey, I can take my report and go. Fine, That's fine. That way. You guys go. will probably be actually yeah. fine with that. I don't even want you here. Hannah and I will talk about Citizen Kane. Yeah. And Orson, I love. Oh, man. <laughs> After I bring you <laughs> drinks. He's an interesting. Cookies. He's an interesting kind of a looker. He is. I don't yeah. necessarily think he's attractive, but there's but he's something also really not unattractive. No. Like he's just interesting. There's something mm-hmm. like really charismatic about him or something. And I'm uh-huh. like, hi. Anyway, hun- anyway Hunter. He's dead. We but don't have to worry about it. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to fight you for him. Not this time. Not this time. <laughs> don't Ryan worry. Gosling there will be other fights in the future. Yeah. We would have fought over Charlie Chaplin and oh, Orson yeah. Welles. Uh-huh. Man, even like fifty-year-old Charlie Chaplin is still like, kind of, kind of my speed, you know. <laughs> you can make it work. <laughs> I can make it. Work. You can make it work. I support you, <laughs> honestly. <Thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh. All right. Just kidding. Hey, Hunter, Whoa. we're staying focused this time. Whoa, Fo- we did focus. such a good job staying focused. Did focus. you hear all that? This time we can talk about the movie. Well, see, now I'm nervous about it. Yeah. Just see, feel my know. pain. Also, we have been refreshed with sugary snacks and yeah. soda, and for some of us, wonderfully caffeinated unplanned naps. Yep. Oh, yes, yeah. caffeinated mm-hmm. drinks. Caffeinated I just don't really remember no, passing out on the couch. But really, <laughs> <laughs> you were you were sprawled out so dramatically. Yeah, <laughs> I remember like getting like comfy, but I don't remember you getting here with the drinks or like you leaving. You guys leaving the room. I'm oh, I pretty sure I stayed right here. When I like asked <laughs> if you like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You what were like, are you doing? <laughs> I like asked That's if you were awake video. or ready or something, and you like nodded a little bit. Yeah, no, you. I, I thought you, you were totally awake. Did yeah? We thought you were partially awake. Yeah. Guys, I and was I not. <laughs> over there. So anyway, oh. I do weird things in my sleep. Fun fact about Hannah. I mean, this is true. You really, d- you you just look like, uh, like one of those Disney princesses, like crying over a bed, <laughs> and their hair is like flopped everywhere, and just like, it seemed like the peak of like dramaticism. That me. is me. Yeah. In a person. <laughs> it was kind of great. That's good stuff. I didn't walk though. That's good. Mm, no, not yet. Not mm. yet. Not yet. I, I've heard that you've done that, but like, wear your retainers, kids. Well, that's what they told me. But then I get up in the middle of the night and I put them back in the bathroom. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one <laughs> I woke of up the other day and they were back in the glass ones. in the bathroom and I was like, oh How no. <laughs> my word. Or just like when you're in your room, like they'll appear under your bed or something. Yeah, or it? like tucked away in drawers in that are drawer, nowhere yeah. near me. <laughs> How? So weird. <laughs> I don't want to know, so I just it don't think you about it. You never like set up a, you know, camera I'm scared. I like don't know what else I'm doing. See what you're getting up to. <laughs> maybe I like sleep eat. That could be fun. I could s- maybe I go and sleepwalks around the neighborhood. Hmm. People totally do that. 
I guess it's possible. Mm-hmm. That's really scary. I though. know, right? Yeah, I don't sleep drive. I wouldn't really want to know. Exactly. At that point, yeah. Like I'm okay now, so I'm just gonna keep vibing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that I've successfully gotten off topic. Now let's let's get right on top. <laughs> let's get let's let's are, do this. Are we gonna thing. do this? Let's just. Are we gonna talk this. about this honking movie? Honkin' movie. Honkin movie. What a time to be alive. Let's talk about this honkin' movie. Honky chonky movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I don't know. It just it's came to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the movie. It is kind of the movie. It is. None of us have seen before. Yeah. Until like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it's Citizen Kane. It's like. Wow. It's like quite literally, yeah, the movie, often considered. The greatest film of all time, and possibly for good reason. I say we we will not be disputing that. I don't think. I don't um, think so. I, w- I would not contest it. I think it is real solid. Spoilers. Uh, movie that everyone says is good actually is kind of good. Yeah, I mean, it, well, that okay. <laughs> when I told one of my good. friends that, like, I was like, "Ah, so Citizen Kane is good." I was like, "I know that's unsurprising, but it's fact." Right. Yeah, it and like, he was like, "Nah, man, like I've." Generally, I've heard that it's actually not as good as people say it is. And I was like, oh, to me, that just sounds like people that are like, you know, actually, I have like higher standard. Like, right. it, that, to me, I think that's the pretentious take is to say yeah. that it's actually not that good. And sometimes that know? happens. Right. But like. But in this, this case, I really feel like, I don't know, like there are people that are pretentious about like, mm, have you ever heard of, you know, like some movie that everybody's seen and is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh that there are those kinds of pretentious people and then there are the kinds of pretentious people like actually that thing that everybody says is good actually isn't good because i have like more of a critical eye and right whatever and i, I feel like like the people that i hear be like ah it says kane isn't that good definitely fall into that second category yeah. for me mm. i don't know i would think this holds up to a lot of the same kind of like examination it holds up to modern standards pretty yeah. Well, I think totally. People are just like you know. Maybe some people are like, "Oh, it doesn't hit me emotionally," which is like the kind of thing where it's like, "Yeah, that's that's the point." In yeah. the same way that the squid and the whale, you're gonna have to <laughs> deal with pretentious characters. That yes. is the point of the movie. <laughs> yep. Oh, I love it. Anyway, so I don't want to rant about it before we even get on to the topic, but it's a good uh, preamble, which is good because I actually completely forgot to write a little summary for this. <sighs> Um, while you that will do would oh true I was gonna say if you want a moment I have something I can share please ooh when I Reese uh huh when I say rosebud <laughs> what do you think of um is that a is that a is that that's a girl <laughs> is that a is that a female no friend no <laughs> it's a reference Oh gosh. To no. the essential film <laughs> Over the Hedge. Uh, <laughs> uh, interesting. One of the characters says it. Whoa. So Citizen Kane like is a is like referencing Over the Hedge. It is. That's surprising. That's really cool actually. I know. See, I thought of Nosebud. Mm-hmm. Mm. The the boat mm. from that one episode of Phineas and Ferb. Um, ah. But Nosebud. that's great. That's yeah. a good one. See, he goes, yeah, no like, but yeah, like yeah. I had no idea, and yeah, I've just heard it referenced. 
I admit, like in Over the Hedge, I saw Over the Hedge enough times to hear that line and be like, why the heck does he say that when he's <laughs> pretending to die? And now I know. And it's kind of great. I think I also, like, I think the Dick Van Dyke show did an episode Probably. where there was like this whole episode on how did this kid, how did their, their son get the name that he had? Cause he had like hmm. this really complicated middle name. And I think it had, it had something to do with Rosebud. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. It yeah. seemed like it was referencing something because it, it was like a punchline. And I never understood why that was a punchline as a kid. Yeah. Anyway, all the punchlines still don't make sense. <laughs> so that's great. But the point of that <laughs> is definitely that Rosebud is very memorable and very easily quotable, and it has totally, like, permeated culture in ways. That is true. It's very easy to just kind of slip in, I guess. You can just slip in so, a Rosebud. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. I, I did also like the Colorado references. Yeah, there was some Colorado stuff in there. It's where it's our, it's our state. It's, it's, the, our it's the state of kings. We, we like Colorado. And queens. Um, I hate you. You know, things things aren't aren't always the best there. <laughs> but why? But in a lot of ways, they're significantly better than they are in other states. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Fair, so, fair. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy with uh with the way we are now. Although, looks like back in the day, apparently, we we were just kind of a a shack with a lot of snow, but so also like Indeed. a mine and a some massive gold. load. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and didn't That's know it was it. there. Which the beginning of this I movie guess is we wild. Have mines? Do we? Is that an actual thing? Um, I don't know, honestly. There are some coal mines that I'm aware of. Probably, I wouldn't know. You wouldn't. You wouldn't know. No. Tragic. <laughs> Fine. I guess I will be the expert today. I do know that this is our first movie from 1941. <gasps> Hooray! We made it. Directed, co-written, produced, and starring Orson Welles. God. And uh, this was his first movie. This wait, is the first thing he ever put on film. That wait, yeah. this is his debut film. Uh huh. And we'll get into it, but that's kind of part of the reason oh. why it's so good. Oh. I mean, it's which is really fun. I I mean I yeah. Reese's mom uh, just exploded. I saw it combust <laughs> inside of his forehead. I wondered if you knew that. Something's leaking out of your ears. I assumed it would not have <laughs> been his first thing. Uh. It hurts. It hurts. It was it, he like <laughs> literally nobody ever could ever like. <laughs> you make your first movie and people laud it for decades as the greatest movie ever made. Like uh-huh. how? <laughs> I mean, it took a lot of work. I'll tell you that. Like Kurosawa's first three movies are almost just plain bad. Hmm. You know, that's how it usually goes, I guess. Right. Usually takes Paul some Thomas Anderson's some second movie is on this list, but first movie, no way in hell. Mm-hmm. How the hell? Just came out of the gate swinging, and again, we will talk about that. Because I'm very excited to hear his, about that. His newness is kind of the impetus for the greatness of it, huh. in a way, because and just coupled with the kind of person that he was. So right. he was nominated for nine Academy Awards and only won one for Best Original Screenplay. I mean, it deserved that, mm-hmm. but also, like, cinematography, man. Right, I know. Kind of I, 
underappreciated. What won that year for cinematography? I do we know? Do not know. Because that would I'm be really interesting. Because at least for me, the way that that movie is shot, the amount of depth that those shots have, mm-hmm. that's what Andre talked like, about. We will talk about that insane. For sure. mm-hmm. Talk and about they that. pulled that off multiple different ways. Again, part of the fun. Okay. I'm so Just like the yeah. way, yeah. I can't believe I really didn't catch on. Like I was looking at it and I'm like, wow, this looks interesting and different, but I don't mm-hmm. know why. Right. And Hunter was like, this and this and this. Yep. I had. And I was like, just oh. <laughs> I had done so, a little bit of research before, just like listened to some videos and stuff, like while working and driving and mm-hmm. just kind of hearing like the, the big points about it. And then kind of was looking for some of it while watching. And yeah, there's just a few really interesting and not not the first implementations of a lot of these things but just bl- brought a lot of things together that a lot of other movies had done in a very interesting way and made them all very just like here you go here's everything in this big hollywood blockbuster basically mm-hmm. and just nailed all of them yeah it was yeah. great i had to pause the movie halfway through to just scream at the television. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I know I, I like it. a movie. I'm not. I'm not yeah. even kidding. I do that. Like okay. there, w- <laughs> when there, when there are movies that just like really work for me, I will pause and I will scream at. <laughs> I'll just. be <laughs> Why did I reveal this on a it's podcast? So it's my weirdest movie watching habit. I'm just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a Leo DiCaprio yell. It's like a no. just a distress. It's just a like. How does it work so well? Uh, this hurts. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like fire is being poured through my veins for two and a half hours, or how this two hours like about. It's like two a little two under five. It's like one fifty nine, I think. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, it's pretty tight. Two hours. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, man, it doesn't drag. No, I think it's pretty. It solid doesn't. Engaging I went by fast. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty good time. I appreciate the um, intense stares, <laughs> the lack of blinking, mm. and how they s- like spoke to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the sass. I was like, "Whoa, mm. sassy!" And just the way that you get so involved in like narratives within narratives, mm, and then yeah. they, when they pull out, you're like, "Oh, right!" It's like you were in a trance. Yeah, we can, I guess. Should we say like a brief summary of the movie? I guess yeah, so just kind of give context. Oh yeah, just dive in. So boy. like, it's really fun, and this is another thing that like it kind of did differently was the way that it kind of had like that non-linear flashback structure was mm-hmm. like almost unheard of at the time. Like mm-hmm. it starts at the end when Charles Foster Kane dies and whispers the word rosebud and bleh, and then these journalists like or like you see the newsreel of like all right here's kind of in brief hit the story of his life like from beginning to end and you get all the high points and these journalists are like oh why did he say rosebud like what does that mean and they're like all right hey you go figure it out and so this guy just like kind of goes to a bunch of people that knew him knew Kane, and is like interviewing them about his life to try and figure out like if they if any of them knew what that word meant and tldr he doesn't get very far he learns a lot of like stories about his life but doesn't actually get any ground and then at the end you find out what it means in a different like not in character perspective yeah it's just kind of a just the camera sees yeah it's just for the audience but it's just fun it's interesting because it still doesn't mean anything and that's kind of 
the point, maybe? Yeah, there's there's kind of a theme to it in a way that has been talked about. Like, spoilers, Rosebud is Kane's sled that he was, like, playing with in the snow on the day that he was, like, signed over to become a rich man's ward instead of staying in Colorado in his little shack with his parents, I guess. <laughs> His abusive so father, I guess. Maybe I don't know. Because he was like, that kid needs a thrashing, and then the mom yeah. was like, that's why he's going over there right. to get away from you. I, I want to watch that scene again because I feel like I probably didn't totally catch oh. everything that was happening there. But mm. my impression was um. just that it was like very, I don't know, small and like poor and cold, right. and think, he was yeah. alone. Like, I mean, there were no other kids around. And yeah, I think they were just trying to get him somewhere better. Yeah. But I think to him, it is like a, a loss of childhood kind of thing. Like that right. was the turning point. Well, I mean, I, th- I think that was part of the reason, but it was also like, I don't think she wanted her son being raised by that guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So I remember like yeah. thinking there was a lot of throwing around of the sled in that scene, right. mm-hmm. but they don't ever show it to you. Yeah. That you don't see the name or anything. Yeah. So it was funny. And, and he, they mentioned like kind of in the first half of the movie, he's like, oh, I was just going to go like look at some of my things that were brought from my home in Colorado. He's in, like, Chicago now or something. Mm-hmm. And then they don't actually go there and see any of it. But then at the end of the movie, they're like, ah, this is all junk. Burn it. And then you just see the sled burning and you see the name on it. Aww. And you're like, oh, it was his little childhood thing. Right. And but the like meaning of that kind of depends, I guess. But like it wouldn't have meant anything to the reporters. Like, it wouldn't have right. put his whole life in context, exactly. you know, in the and way that, them, like, they were wanting. And one of them, ki- he kind of mentions that at the end. He's like, you know, you can't really define a man's life by just the one word. It's like, he's a human being. He's got a lot going on. So, yeah. We did learn some stuff. Maybe conflicting, weird narratives yeah. about this guy. but. It was interesting. He's mm-hmm. an interesting dude for sure. Yeah, it's like, an, you know, definitely the way some people tell it, he seems like a lot mm-hmm. nicer of a person, a lot cooler, and other people, he's like a very intimidating and right. like kind of scary figure. Yeah, and a lot of them kind of had more contact with him at different parts of his life. Like right. And then it definitely paints a picture of him kind of getting more reserved and bitter as he grow, grows older. Which, man, feels like that kind of reflects Orson Welles' life, actually. There's some talk about that for sure, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, I (laughs) I guess I I actually don't know a lot of details. You might be more equipped to talk about that. I did watch the documentary on his his later career. I just remember I only heard it mentioned that that might be kind of the case even at the time for him. Because, like, I don't know. Something about him, like, not actually engaging with the movie once it was finished very much. Like, mm-hmm. he only saw it in, in full, like, one time and was just like, and people were like, I don't know, maybe it kind of hit close to home on some aspects for him. Yeah, I, he definitely didn't seem, at least from the documentary, like he was very concerned with his own legacy. Mm. Mm. Like, mm. He, he wasn't like, particularly proud of his accomplishments in a weird way it wasn't like he wasn't but he was almost just more concerned with like okay let me make the next thing this is going to be great oh no this one's going to be really good guys (laughs) and you know like the way that the film industry treats any career no matter how successful at some point they're just like now you're done Mm. and they won't fund your projects and nobody will talk nobody will nobody will deal with you they'll be like ah Yes, we'd love to get you down for an interview and talk about how you directed 
the greatest film ever made. <laughs> but no, we don't. We're not going to fund your next movie, right? Which is just, I don't know why it is that it works that way. But mm-hmm. this, I mean, Kurosawa obviously ran into the same issues, right? But you know, Orson Welles didn't have George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola trying to help <laughs> him. He actually just had Francis Ford Coppola trying to help him. But that was before The Godfather, so Coppola had like mm. literally no sway, so it didn't uh, do anything, and he couldn't get Wells' career off the ground again. Interesting. Hmm. But yeah, he ended up just kind of getting more and more bitter, more and more weird. He's you know staying with friends for long periods of time; mm. they didn't want him there, and he, you know kind of became, at least as far as I remember, kind of an alcoholic. And then you know he just nothing ever really picked up. You know, after, you know, a few of the early movies, you know, Magnificent Ambersons, et cetera, mm. when he was trying to actually get The Other Side of the Wind done, it was just, right. it was never going to happen. It took him like 20 years of trying and just didn't mm. didn't do it. And then still didn't come out until a couple of years ago. Yep. Until uh, sort of until Netflix made it happen and had people finish it and had it released in 2017. Kind of a Frankenstein form, just like, yeah, got a bunch of stuff together. And I mean, I do want to see it. I want to watch more of his stuff for sure. Mm hmm. It's definitely not like this. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've only seen I haven't I didn't log it because I haven't seen the entire thing all the way ah, through. Gotcha. But it it's creative like this in the same way where it's like using multiple sources. You know what I mean? Mm, like it feels yeah. like it's narratives within narratives, but it's also like, you know, newsreel footage and now this and you know, mm. it's all that. But nice. in a way that's very surreal. Like it's you know. One guy's trying to make this really weird, like, European surrealist movie, and then it, like, just mm. has, like, 20 minutes of that movie in there and then goes on to something else. It is very reminiscent of, which is probably a more niche pull, so I don't know why this is what I'm comparing it to, but Ursula K. Le Guin's book, Always Coming Home, mm. which is, like, the same kind of, like, let's explore this world or this idea, this story through multiple different mediums and like stories within a story. Like somebody wrote Mm. this book who's one of the characters in this world and we'll just detour for a hundred pages on that. And (laughs) you know, just, just kind of trying to do this like really epic thing that you're, you're writing within writing within writing. And Mm. I don't know. Sounds cool. It's interesting for sure. For sure. Yeah. Especially when his directorial style just completely changes to try Mm. to direct this, this fictional director would direct you know right (laughs) uh sounds fun i'll check it out for sure he just has a ridiculous amount of talent Mm -hmm. yeah and then he's the one that did the the radio show of war with the worlds right yeah so he had like so he was on broadway and stuff doing theater he had like the mercury theater that he like Mm. co-founded that's Um, awesome yeah they did stage productions was definitely very good at that did i list any shows he had done um, I can look them up. I did not catalog those. That's okay. Might look at them. I'm sure it'll be easy to find. But yes, so the, the Mercury Theater also had like a radio side, and they did the radio things. They did the War of the Worlds, which may or may not have caused mass hysteria. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, an interesting topic. For yeah, sure. for sure. And I kind of want to go back and listen to that. I assume you can find it. Uh, yeah, I think so. There's recordings. Dugo on also did an entire episode Ooh. about it. Okay. So cool. I do recommend that. Nice. I will. I'm. I'm going to be plugging that podcast <laughs> on this podcast probably a lot. It's all good. Um, but yeah. So he'd been doing all that, um, and then Hollywood like was aware of him, and they'd been trying to like get him to make movies. Um, apparently, like he'd been turning down a few scripts since like 1936, like five years before this movie came out. 
Dang. And then, like, he was maybe kind of having kind of like a, a lower point in the theater stuff. And RKO hits him with a bonkers contract where he would uh, act in, direct, produce, and write two films. And then, uh, what was it? Mercury Theater gets $100,000 and 20% of profits, blah, 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 money things. Um, but the, the crazy thing about it was that they were saying that Wells would retain full creative control, basically, over the entire thing. Like, he got Final Cut privilege, which was really wild. Like, everything and cast and crew, like, all just was, like, it was entirely up in his discretion. And it, like, made a bunch of people mad. They're like, that's not how anyone does things. Like, no one has that much control. Why are you giving it to this guy who's never even made a movie before? Hmm. But it worked out it's okay. probably the best decision RKO <laughs> right. has ever made. And he never got that opportunity again ever like even though the contract was for two movies there's something happened and it lapsed after this after citizen kane and he kind of lost some of those privileges even though the movie was good right well that's what's so weird about the way that the film industry works is it's like it's not really about your it's not always really about your critical or commercial success Mm -hmm. sometimes they just it just won't happen. Mm-hmm. And I guess it I guess it didn't quite make its money back in the Did box office. So like but it, it definitely is one of those ones that like it was kind of a mixed reception when it came out. And I guess it's always been mixed in some ways. Huh. Um but like definitely got a revival in like the fifties. Right. And it yeah. kinda came back and people were like, Oh wait, hey, this is actually like amazing and we should remember this forever. So And we did. And then we did. Uh, and it really is it's like the quintessential movie that everybody knows about but like most people i talk to haven't actually seen i've heard about it for years and just like never got around to it because it didn't feel super important and now i'm glad that we did get around to it because it's it is very cool like you can easily see how how influential it was i think Mm -hmm. the way i hear it discussed is a lot of the things that's like there's a lot of stuff in citizen kane that's like it may not be super surprising to modern eyes because it's like we're kind of used to seeing a lot of things, but like a lot of those things were not common before it. Like they were around, but like this kind of popularized a lot of editing techniques and just a lot of things. Those like really nice long fades at the beginning are just so great. Yeah, like Uh, long fades. Like from the very opening shots of that movie, I'm like, I think this is really, Mm -hmm. really interesting. Or just the way that it look it looks like this like weird, creepy castle and then you figure yeah. out that it's like not set in this like old time because of right. there's like a sign that like says it's like a golf course or something. Right. Yeah. yeah. The whole <laughs> all the big montage of Xanadu is so funny, yeah. Yeah. I guess some of the shots of that are like real places. Some of it's a real building and a lot of it a lot of stuff I guess in Xanadu is matte paintings. Dang. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Yeah, they mixed a lot of things into this movie. It just, nothing about that production, like, you don't see the strings. Mm-hmm. You really don't see no, the strings in this movie, like, pretty much at all. They went a lot further on this than most movies did, and they did it all pretty successfully. Like, yeah, they went really hard. Again, we'll talk about that <laughs> more, because there I did, I tried to note down most of it, at least the big points, and it's fun. Um, one fun note is that like before 
Citizen Kane got going, and they were kind of trying to settle on a project. He was going to adapt Heart of Darkness, which he'd already done a play of, mm. and apparently they were going to film it in first person, which would have what? been insane. <laughs> that's oh, crazy. That's awesome. Didn't work out. Um, there were some budget constraints and just like, just never really got off the ground. But we got Citizen Kane instead, so it was okay. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm fine with that. Right. And it sounds like um, he was like some uh, the production advisor on the film, Miriam Geiger, had made like a little handmade book about filmmaking and just like gave it to Orson Welles. And he was like kind of learning and being like, all right, here's your like filmmaking textbook. Here you go. My he gosh. Apparently just kind of he started watching uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari nice. to like match what he was reading to what he was seeing and like making uh. the vocabulary like having examples actually in front of him yeah and also stagecoach i guess which i'm not familiar with i've heard the name um, but i guess that was another one he said he watched like 40 times mm. uh, he would just have it on like constantly and he would watch it over and over again with different like technicians and experts in different areas and like ask them questions and just be like how does this aspect of the thing work he said it was like school it's that's like he's so just crazy boy he leaned into this so hard and was just like I want to know all of it. Man, it's so bonkers that they were like, oh, you need to make a movie. Yeah. And he like didn't he know for anything. so long. Like he was so invested in the theater side. Like that was kind of where his heart was set. I just looked at that. He did that for so mm -hmm. long. That's he, he was really young too when he did yeah. this. He was like 25, I think. It said 1918 through. He was 25 when he directed this. Yeah. That's what I heard. He was oh. 25 <laughs> when he directed his first film, uh -huh. the greatest <laughs> film ever made. Uh -huh. <laughs> what? I'm shook. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was born in 1915. So. Oh, well, then he started theater when he was three years old. Because his first theater credit was 1918. It seems to be the way. And he was playing leads really early on. Like, he was Dr. Jeez. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He was Scrooge in A Christmas Carol Jeez. at a really young age. He got seriously oh. into Shakespeare. Sorry, I fell into a rabbit hole Weird. looking at it. I want to hear about so it. He did, like, bonkers. Twelfth Night, Macbeth, Hamlet, Jeez. Romeo and Juliet. Like, he did all of them. I can't. Bonkers I mean, boy. it's definitely been said before, but the amount of talent that this guy had is, like, I mean, it puts probably everybody <laughs> literally <laughs> what the heck oh my gosh so and it's fun because not only was he really talented but he was surrounded by very talented people of course mm. like obviously mm. you've got the actors on stage most of them from his mercury theater company which the credits kind of note they're like i like that they had that at the end of the movie they're like hey a lot of these people like are kind of new to film and we're happy to have them it was cool yeah it's fun to see that in like yeah just like remaining in the edit, you mm -hmm. know, it's cool. It was cool. Uh, they also note, uh, so cinematographer Greg Toland is a big part of this as well. So he had already been working for a while. He knew what he was doing. He requested the job. Like he wanted to be on this movie specifically, um, specifically because he wanted to work with someone who hadn't done film before. Hmm. And it was like, um, gosh, there's a quote I had here somewhere. I must have lost it. But like there's a note that Orson Welles like he had that ignorance of the beginner. Like he didn't know what the conventions were mm. and that kind of let him ask questions and attempt things that weren't normal because he just didn't know what you could and couldn't do. So he's like, "Can we do this?" And they were like, "Uh." 
maybe. And then they did. Go him. Like, I did get the quote from him Failing talking his about way to success. Yeah, like uh. he was saying about Toland, he was like he was he never tried to impress us that he was doing any miracles. I was calling for things only a beginner would have been ignorant enough to think anybody could ever do, and there he was doing them. Hmm. Things like, you know, making moving like folding walls, moving furniture to kind of make way for the camera to move th- just through sets and stuff or like yeah they that dug a hole so in a concrete floor to have like a really low angle shot wow um and you could see the ceilings in this movie which is also really weird mm. Mm. i guess that was just like a convention like you just wouldn't have ceilings in your sets right you would just have the For microphones lights and, and stuff up there yeah. and lights and stuff they still and they're that. like now nah, we're gonna make ceilings so mm. that you can actually like i don't know Real places have ceilings, <laughs> so we're gonna have ceilings, and they still, I think, stuck microphones. This, stuff is, there, this but kind like, of information is just like oh. as mind blowing as that movie. <laughs> yeah, like again, they just they put so much into this. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's just really fun. That idea of like, you know, he didn't have the weird shackles of convention because he didn't know what he was doing, and then Toland kind of being like. I know he's going to be that way. I want that challenge to go for the things that he's going to suggest. Ugh. And then like, they just nailed it. And then they just like do literally everything that is the reason why Blade Runner is good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Every There's element that I like truly like deeply love about Blade Runner is present here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like the lighting's really cool. You yeah. The lighting in particular. Lighting people just, yeah. The shot comes to like really grand and like dark and cluttery set design Mm -hmm. yeah it's so similar to like deckard's apartment which it's true for me is like that that's peak visual like overly clean sets too Mm. like again i mentioned to you earlier there's that shot in like when uh the journalist is like reading thatcher's journal diary whatever and it's just like everyone's kind of silhouetted mm-hmm. there's like a big shaft of light coming in and it's just oh, that was big cool. empty room also very blade runner yeah I, like i immediately thought like this is the most blade runner thing i've ever seen in a <laughs> blade runner movie uh-huh. he did it and first and, and even the way that the dialogue functions mm-hmm. with like the kind of pacing that like people interrupt each other with yeah the way that the dialogue is written i mean and i saw that noted as a, a very radio kind of trend i guess mm. was the the overlapping dialogue which was yeah. again not very common in film but totally works and yeah again reminiscent of a lot of other modern and more you know, modern movies when it's used in blade runner it really makes you think like it like it does challenge it feels like it challenges film mm-hmm. conventions of the time too right. like in that it's way and, and little women like recently mm-hmm. did that and it was like oh this is very it instantly sh- makes it feel like oh this is very different than just like the paint by numbers adaptation that mm-hmm. I was expecting, you know, like just just having interrupting in your movies, yeah, it's just more is alive. a big effect that like yeah. is just not used, it's yeah. But it's so realistic. Like mm-hmm. I'm never in a group of people and everyone takes their turn talking. Like right. it just makes it we feel it. so <laughs> present and yeah, way more alive than anything that's more structured. Yeah. I mean, listen to this podcast. We're exactly, constantly yeah. interrupting True. each other. Like it's sometimes it, it's still very like cinematic dialogue and what they're saying and stuff you know it's not like the most real thing but like just the act of yeah the overlapping just makes it feel more natural in a way mm-hmm. i feel like mm. it's very very cool yeah and and also i mean heck another thing blade runner takes is like the the interview kind of a of a yeah. style you know mm-hmm. like 
that's what this entire movie is kind of centered around. But like, that's how Blade Runner opens, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, we'll talk mm-hmm. about it when we get there. Hey, what, can't what? wait. It's gonna be a long time. But, Who's uh-huh. reviewing that one again? I don't know. I think it's probably me because I probably. think I would probably kill one of you guys say, to do that. You might that's force him that one, which is fine. Yeah. But man, um, like when I first saw Blade Runner, it was like, it was just like eye opening. Like I've never seen anything that does this. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this movie, and I was like, oh, this this does all of that. <laughs> forty and years earlier. Forty years earlier, but like that's the thing is it's not like the stuff that he's done is overdone now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it was considered one of the greatest films of all time. It's massively influential, but it's not like you see this and you're like, yeah, that's been done a thousand times now. Like there are some elements of it that have been done a lot, but mm-hmm. like it's, it's not really like people are just remaking this movie, you right, know, for sure. Yeah. It's like the best use of a lot of these things too. Right. And just putting them all together. It's just like every element of it is just really solid for sure. <laughs> my gosh um, it cost eight hundred and thirty nine thousand seven hundred and twenty seven dollars hmm. to make that okay was the final uh final cost that rko recorded at the time it's a decent amount less than some of the previous mm-hmm. movies we've covered it's not, not the worst uh, but how much did it make i don't know i can find out though and also why is this not on the criterion collection box True. office one point six million, including re-releases. Okay. Sure. So it it did eventually would have eventually made its yes. money back it when it got back. re-releases, mm-hmm. but yeah, but like not even by very much. Right. Like it's not <laughs> three hundred thousand dollars. Not a huge profit, uh, at least for the time, anyway. But and I guess less later. Also, more fun production things. They made a trailer. And it doesn't have any footage from the movie in it. That's cool. The trailer is like just as wild as the movie itself, I guess. Like, huh. And I haven't watched it, but I would like to. Um, they're saying like it's it's almost kind of like a joke, like fake documentary about the film's production. And it's actually the only source of behind the scenes footage of the movie that exists. And the only Orson Welles. Exactly. I mean, I guess that's kind of what he did again with The Other Side of the Wind. Mm, is like probably, it's, yeah. it's like a fake documentary about the making of this film that about doesn't itself. exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. Oh, I had more stuff. Oh man, I have like a whole list of all the like weird techniques that are kind of included. Is there anything I need to get to before I do that, or should I just keep doing? Keep that? trucking I'm along on that man, train. I'll we'll hit some other points because there are other interesting parts of this. How far in are we? Thirty-eight minutes. Yeah. Wood. Hooray. Uh, so the flashbacks. Interesting. It's fun. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, just all the production around it. We talk about it for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, yeah, so you've got maybe unreliable narration as well as the flashbacks because a lot of your perspectives you're hearing from are old people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they're old now, and they weren't then. Uh, the deep focus was a big one. And that was something that Toland was kind of pioneering as like a cinematographic trick. Like getting, that's like where you get foreground, background, everything all in focus at the same time. Mm. Um, and there's different ways to accomplish that, of course. But like this is a way of doing it where it's like you get it in one shot. Mm. Because mm. I guess if you make your aperture on your camera really small, 
and also assist it with like a really wide angle lens, you can just get everything. Gotcha. Like all in one go. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And the camera movement, mm-hmm. like when it's there, it's just, I mean, obviously it's, it's really shockingly smooth. Yeah. But it's also, there's, there's so much of, of the way that it's, it's framed that mm-hmm. like, and I've talked about this with, with a bunch of different people, but we very rarely see movies that have like that Z axis yeah. of depth, you know, where like the camera can like push through mm-hmm. into the next room or something like that. Like right. they, like they do in this movie, yep. but like an- another good example of a movie that like actually does that is Columbus. Mm, yes. But it's just like, that's what makes that movie like so cool is just mm-hmm. the way that like you can shoot something and you don't have to make everything like a conventional mid or a close up, like, and you don't have to do just like super wide Wes Anderson shots either. Mm-hmm. Like you can have something that has, you know, sure it has, you know, what is that X axis like, you know, width to it, but mm-hmm. it also has like things are happening in the background and the foreground and everything. And there's, there's interesting things to look at in all those places. And I guess that deep focus would have really helped in being able right. to achieve that for sure. Yeah. I guess, um, like there's a few scenes you can point to, that are kind of big examples like one of them is the one early on or like you've got young Kane playing in the snow like outside the house in the background but you can also see the father in kind of the middle and also the mother and Thatcher in the front and like it's all in focus simultaneously yeah I guess there was like a conflicting story saying that maybe a little boy Kane was <laughs> rear projected mm. but it's also talked about as a deep focus thing so that seemed mm. to be a little bit conflicting but that's one. Well, no, you'd have to still focus on it though. Like even if it's rear projected, because it's, it's still practical. A rear projection is a practical effect. Impressive regardless. Yeah. But there's also some scenes. And that rear projection looks pretty good. Oh yeah. Like a lot of rear projection does not look good. Like I did not point that out in the great dictator, (laughs) but that gag with the train, unfortunately the rear projection in that scene just is so unbelievable. Like just doesn't work. Mm. He has some good examples, but like getting it to look as good as, as he, Mm-hmm. Source Wells got it. Right. It's, it's in impressive. this movie a fair bit. It all looks, looks pretty good. Um, there's some like full focus shots that were not done with deep focus that was interesting too. Like there's the one where Kane, older Kane, is up in the front on the left, like finishing the bad review. And then mm-hmm. uh, Leland is approaching in the back. It's all in focus. It's all pretty, it's all pretty clear. That wasn't possible apparently with the deep focus technique. Hmm. So they used an optical printer to kind of layer a couple of different parts of film together gotcha. and just yeah. make it all look clear. And it wasn't the, uh, that the optical printer, was that something that we talked about being used in? I think so. Was that the one that was in Snow White or uh, uh, King Kong? I can't remember. I don't Because they were both like ways of combining. Probably something like that, but oh, yeah. Yeah, but okay, that reminds me of that one bit that like absolutely blew my mind. Mm. When Leland is like, you know, talking about, like as as, an, as the old man, he's like you know, yeah, talking about stuff, mm-hmm. and that like part they that's fade like out the room just shadowed like uh-huh. is the other scene. Mm-hmm. I really liked that too. Yeah, and then it fades I out. But like, I assume that was optical printer work as well. Like, it, yeah, I mean that that would be. Together. I don't know a lot. Yeah, about it, I guess in that case, that's the kind of stuff that really was pioneered with mm-hmm. with King Kong. Nice. Yeah, um, that was really fun. Very impressive. Uh, another one was. Uh, when Kane and another guy like break into Susan's room after she 
attempt suicide. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and again, she's in focus, they're in focus, the whole thing. They said that was a, I called it an in-camera matte shot. So they like lit her in the foreground and kept the background dark, rewound the film, darkened her and lit the background and ran it again. Mm. And I guess that just lit both parts of the film correctly so that it could all be in yeah. focus at the just same like time. Overlap it? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like That's you basically just record the same film twice, but you do light different oh. parts of it. Yeah, they also use that technique in King Kong. Yeah, that's so, so we got cool. More of that. Except so here, it's just yeah. so much more like smooth, and it's not done mm-hmm. for the sake of like combining a bunch of weird, like <laughs> you know, special effects. It's right. like Miniatures. it's just a very like interesting, artful process to, to just to try to do things that like at the time was not possible, right? With the filmmaking, which is that sounds cool. so time consuming too. Sometimes, yeah, like the amount of like labor. Like the thing is. In, in a weird way, it's worth it with King Kong because you're very obviously pushing technology for it and you're making a spectacle that everybody's going to be wowed at. Mm-hmm. But like with Citizen Kane, very easily people could just be like, just, you know, just believe it. Like, right. cause you don't know yeah, that, a lot of oh, it. it's not possible to get both of those things in focus, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's more about like getting this product more so than like wowing the audience with right. the, te- the technical effects, which is makes sense for somebody's first movie who's not like super into film that's like i want to do this Mm -hmm. how do we do that you know yeah and then ideally it kind of ends up being somewhat invisible Mm -hmm. like exactly doesn't necessarily draw attention to itself but you notice it does change the way that you Mm -hmm. interact with looking at the scene yeah so it's fun it's shot so interestingly for Mm -hmm. somebody who only ever did theater and didn't have to like think about that kind of thing you know Mm. that when he gets there he's like no I'm going to be really creative with this, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, just being like, can we do this? And having a guy with him that's like, I'll figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, I love that open-mindedness. Right. of just like, well, let's just, just really try cool. it. Right. And just made it work. I mean, we, we've also talked about a lot of movies that feel very theatrical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it very easily just could be a play. But this does not feel like it, that, I didn't get that at all. You know? Which is, no. man, it just shows like how like all in he is on these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's worked with so many different mediums, I guess, that, like... Right. I was going to say... Because he's just willing to dive in all the way in on pretty much everything he does. Uh, Mm. Another fun thing they mentioned is uh, the lightning mix, which I guess is another kind of radio thing that they brought over. It's basically just when, like, you've got the montage of things and, like, a character starts a sentence in, like, the past, which kind of shot, and then finishes it in a way in, like, a different time period, which is the next shot. Which mm-hmm. they kind of did earlier, I think I noticed, and when they're kind of in the first few flashback scenes. Yeah. It happens, and that's kind of fun. That's kind of a smaller one, just more of a narrative structure thing. The makeup is wild. Because, really? yeah. boy, they aged these guys. Oh, yeah, right. That so was good. so I, impressive, It was really, though. like, really, really well done. And You just totally believed they're these mm-hmm. really old people. S- super convincing, I thought. They looked very young and very old, as they needed, and... Everything Just in like the Methuselah complex <laughs> or whatever in Blade yeah. Runner. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. So the the makeup was pretty much entirely done by Maurice Siderman, a junior member of the RKO makeup department. Mm-hmm. And he was basically just an apprentice. He wasn't a union member. He was like, he was a little baby boy. Wow. And like, Gosh. he, again, went so hard on all this stuff. Like, he was basically like taking 
plaster molds of everyone's face who needed to have aging done and then just kind of worked on the bust that he would make Mm. and like adding modeling clay testing things out making everything because sometimes like basically prosthetics and extra faces basically were needed but just you know basing them off of the original face of course but he like had like his own formula of like soft plastic to like make these out of oh my Mm. gosh and then you just like paint it pair it with a wig and just like there's something about like a negative cast of like orange peel to like make pores on some of these like it's bonkers and then they were like underpainted with red which kind of created a warm tone that the camera still picked up and kind of added to the lifelike nature of it so i don't know exactly how all this came out i would need to look deeper into it but i think he basically just made like prosthetic faces it sounded like for right these guys as they were aging and especially I mean, for the older I've ones i've totally seen one like bigger budget movies made way later mm-hmm. that don't look half as convincing mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's super good and like it's the faces it's the bodies because mm-hmm. like kane old has like a belly yeah and right. like his shoulders are different and like he's so got like, like a little the number of movies that i've seen where you can stuff. like just obviously see the bald cap mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. and like here it's just like yeah I, I never even questioned stunning. it almost. Like there was a piece of me that was like, I mean, I know that they didn't, but like it works. So it's so convincing that I'm like, do they really like, do they film this like 30 years? Apart? Right. Did they do like a boyhood with this? Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> but like, it's, of course not. But it's, yeah. I love Super that. Well done. Oh, there was lenses too. Mm. Kane specifically got like, like contact lenses that like just oh my gosh. reflected how eyes change when they're older like just kind of oh took gosh. this youthful shine <laughs> out of him and apparently they were really painful <laughs> uh, it was not good but mm-hmm. they they did get the intended effect done so sorry hannah you go well, i was just gonna rant for a bit because go for just you saying that made me excited because people in the film industry today will talk about oh you just have to meet the right people at the right time to like break into the industry because some people are so passionate about bringing on like apprentices or people who are still beginning or learning Mm -hmm. because people who are not tainted by like being tired of the industry Mm -hmm. or have just been at it so long just give their all and are just more creative and you just get better work out of them because they're just fresh-minded I think so it sounds like he was just I don't know just I don't know I just love that collaboration that he was kind of new to it Mm. and the makeup guy was new to it and then they like blew everyone out of the water just like and I guess Siderman, the makeup guy, like almost didn't, or I don't know if he got credited, actually. Really? I think he wasn't fully credited. Right. I feel like other people would just be too scared to let someone learning take over. Right. And there he was. It is very... Nailing it. Weird. Man, I mean, what a good move on RKO's part. I know. Oh gosh, it's insane. That's awesome. Like it was insane at the time. Never got anything like it after. Whoever uh, made that decision... <laughs> Deserve some sort of like, I don't know, Nobel Prize or something. Mm. Yeah. What mm. was it? Nineteen forty. Sorry, what year was it again? Forty-one. Nineteen forty-one. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh yeah. So it was RKO makeup department head Mel Burns refused to share credit with Siderman, who was only an apprentice. Um, Wells told Burns there would just be no makeup credit, and then there was a large ad in the LA newspaper. That just said, like, thanks to everybody who gets screen credit for Citizen Kane and thanks to those who don't, blah, 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 particularly to Morris Siderman, the best makeup man in the world. 
That's so great. Nice. He did try to get it out there. Like he, I think he really tried to praise everyone around him for what they did, and it was good work. Like he was calling Greg Toland also like the best cameraman cinematographer mm. ever. <laughs> He's like we this guy. The the Which best. I mean, like based like, off of how this movie looks, yeah, <laughs> not wrong entirely. At least go with them. They just sound yeah. like the dream yeah. team. Like th- the two it's best bonkers. looking movies we've covered so far. Yeah, obviously, Passion of Joan of Arc and this, and indeed, very different approaches to the cinematography. Right. But excellent mm. work, gosh, for sure. This is the kind of thing that's like, I don't know, something feels boring to me <laughs> about what a good-looking movie looks like now. You know what I mean? Mm. Because mm-hmm. they all fit a very similar, very achievable aesthetic. For the most part, mm-hmm. everybody wants to be deacons, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's 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 like washing it with color and like and it's gorgeous. But like, I really I really like how how varied so many of these movies look, you know, mm-hmm. like back before there was just like uh, no, the way every movie looks is just kind of standardized, you know, like there's some really, really interesting stuff going on as early as the 20s and. And I want to see more movies shot like this. Right. I know. I was going to say, why don't we see people breaking the mold like that now? Right. Yeah. Because like I can only think it's of, hard to yeah, find. I can only think of like basically the original Blade Runner is shot like this. Mm-hmm. Like even, even 2049 doesn't look like this. It's, not, it's a different, quite. it's, it's a more, more modern, modern yeah. 2017 look. Mm-hmm. Even just, yeah. So I, I want to see more like this. Yeah. yeah. Like this specifically. And I just don't even think I watch movies and am very impressed with cinematography very often. Mm-hmm. Like 1917 was the last one that had shots that really caught my eye. Yeah. But I can't That's think fine. of any other recent movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's like if it's not Deacons, it's <laughs> either somebody trying to be Deacons or somebody right. just trying to be like pull an Aquaman and just like <laughs> use a bunch of weird special effects that are obviously fake, <laughs> but like it's still fun, you know? I love it. I love it too. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. It's, it's you know fun. what? It feels weird saying that while we're talking about Citizen Kane. Right. <laughs> Aquaman is surprisingly good. It, okay. It's very, I, I tell this to everyone, it's very dumb, but it knows it's very dumb and just has a lot of fun. Fair. So like, mm-hmm. that that's it. Cool. It's a yeah. good time. It's like, I mean, for me, it's it's the peak of the very dumb movie because mm-hmm. I w- would not like it if it wasn't trying to do it. You know what I mean? I, like if it was trying to be cool? If it thought it was being really cool, right. yeah. then it would be irritating to me. That's fair. It is like Aquaman's, it's, though. It feels, right. it's so stupid that it has to be self-aware. Like, right. it, it feels like it has its tongue firmly in its cheek, as they mm-hmm. say. And just... Yeah, I would like to see it again. I've still only seen it the one time. Would I think totally I've seen watch it again. thrice. Whoa! Yeah. Oh my goodness. Jeez. I think I saw it three times in theaters. Oh my actually. gosh. I'm jealous. So maybe I've seen it four times. I don't even I know. Oh gosh. my gosh. That's how I many times I saw La La Land in I theaters. That <laughs> really? Dedication. Jesus. Yeah, I saw La La Land three or four times in theaters. I only saw it the one time with you guys, and it was a oh, good experience. Okay. I think it was Hunter's second time. Maybe. And uh, and you got you were like, I don't. Uh, how, do, how, how do you feel about it? And I was yeah. like, it's really good. Of Land I, Yeah, because I didn't like musicals. Oh, yeah. So y- you were a little trepidatious. And then I was like, well, I like jazz. Yeah. <laughs> right. Do you like jazz? It's got jazz. <laughs> and um, I did. I so. think that Friend of the Pod, Luke, 
who has never been into DC films is maybe coming around to DC and has talked to me about watching Wonder Woman finally mm-hmm. after me egging him onto this oh for years. Word. I do like uh, that movie. Might also watch. Uh, maybe we can get him on Aquaman as well. He would love Aquaman. I think so. And Shazam. I think so. Oh, definitely. He'd really Shazam. enjoy Shazam. I if he, she, if he, maybe he's seen Shazam. I'm not sure. He just he needs on this train. He's never seen a Batman movie. Like, uh, we talked about that. We'll get it. It's uh, going to be okay. It's whatever. That's besides the point. Anyway, Citizen Kane. Anyway, none of those are Citizen Kane. They're not Citizen <laughs> Kane. We like them, but they're not this. The uh, the phrase, it's no Citizen Kane. What is? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at this point, nothing is anyway, and mm-hmm. nobody's trying to be, and I'd like to see more people try. Yeah, please. Do something fun, interesting. It's hard, I guess, when you've been making movies for a hundred years and finding new ways to kind of spin that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little hard. But How all art I don't know, just be solid. Just stagnant. construct it so tightly, I guess. Just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. make every aspect just beautiful, perfect. Or maybe we're just used to things being like good. <laughs> good enough. So and sad. then we just don't blink. And then it's just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. People are just so, I don't know, especially modern day. I don't know if I'm taking what you're saying out of context, but my brain's just. I don't even know what I'm saying, so. I guess just thinking back <laughs> of all the thoughts of like how they shot Citizen Kane so uniquely and it just worked so well and I want to see more stuff like that. But now I think even more than ever, like the industry just relies so much on people's expectations because they can crank out 80 Marvel movies that are all mm-hmm. kind of the same formula. Mm-hmm. People know what they're expecting, so they go see it, and they make a ton of money. Right. It's true. No one's willing to like take risks mm-hmm. and try something brand new. And that even comes down to them trying to get people on board by like, ah, we're picking out this like one indie director. Right. And then the indie yeah. director's like, wait, but I don't know how to do action. And they're like, don't worry. We'll have people to direct the action <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how paint by numbers some of this stuff right. gets. Right. Like, we've got our action people. Don't worry about right. it. I just don't feel much creative genius or risk anymore mm-hmm. or i just don't see it very frequently all people want is like they just want the like emotional gut punch mm-hmm. and for a lot of people the emotional gut punch only really involves what's something you're nostalgic for we'll mm-hmm. just put that on screen mm-hmm. that's all we have to do yeah you know what i mean yeah and then you'll get the emotional gut punch and people will be sobbing in Endgame, and then you know, that's it. <laughs> right. And we make all of the money, so right. why would we bother like trying to do these interesting new things? things? Right. I know what works for me to make money, so I'm not going to try something new. Right. And well. there's still like obviously movies with a level of excellence. Greta Gerwig, Little Women. <laughs> right. And Holy that is cow. the best. That's actually probably the best, the the most modern like equivalent of maybe yeah. RKO getting Orson Welles to just like make a movie mm-hmm. is. Uh, Mattel being like, no, we need Greta Gerwig and Noah <laughs> yeah. Baumbach to do the Barbie movie. Yes. You know? oh, so <laughs> True. Exciting. I'm so anxious like to see that. It's a stroke of genius that probably isn't going to make it as much money as they would want. Right. But holy crap, is it going to make something very interesting? Mm-hmm. And I That's wish that I was want. more, I wish that was more what people were trying to do. Yeah. But obviously it's got to be a business because that's the world we live in. Right. I think TV shows take more artistic risk. I guess sometimes now, sometimes some of the streaming services are yeah, starting like to. That's something I do appreciate about Netflix is that Netflix yeah. is often just like we will get people on board for our streaming service solely based off of 
like the fact that people have respect and interest for the fact that we're like putting in weird stuff on right. it, that we're giving something a chance that nobody else is going to give a chance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, that is destroying them financially. Actually, <laughs> Like they put in so much more money True. than they can afford to do. Like Netflix. Yeah. I did yes. not know that actually. They have like currently, I think 70% of America subscribe to them. They want to get 80% and they're, I mean, that's wow. so unheard of. It's almost unpo- impossible. Like, they aren't going to hit that. But they've Probably been f- funneling so much money into Netflix originals that, like, it's really starting to hurt them. Well, they're cranking out quality. Or, it's more sorry, than they're actually making right they're now. They're cranking out more. quantity over quality. Like, mm-hmm. they release content so rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it makes everyone think, like, oh, Netflix is top of the game. Right. But they're not. Like, even people when uh, Mandalorian on Disney Plus came out, everyone was like, whoa mandalorian is so good Mm kind of mad at disney plus we're not having more original content and it's like it's because they're taking time to make pretty quality original content right wait for the next season Mm -hmm. even i think hulu has a few originals that are pretty successful Mm -hmm. but they don't release nearly as fast as netflix right and i guess that also comes down to like you you can have some that take a lot of time and do have quality because there's definitely those but like you have so many sources yeah like you're getting yeah. stuff from a lot it's of overwhelming. people that like, like some of them are bound to be stinkers so like, obviously netflix is you know it had voltron which is like a really fun show it's, it's got like stuff. the witcher which is also like yeah pretty dang good mm-hmm. and then on the movie end like you've got everything from like scorsese movies to bong bong movies we to just like got the new charlie kaufman new charlie kaufman mm-hmm. movie like they are funding like really yeah good stuff great you know for, right. for sure, but yeah. like for every one of those there's like whatever that other military movie is that just came out or that other mm-hmm. one or that other one or that yeah. other one the stupid like chick flicky we watched love guaranteed the other oh, night yeah. uh-huh. oh my gosh huh like they 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 make a lot of garbage it was painful yeah painfully cheesy but they but at least they're getting in like some really good stuff in there too so it's like mm-hmm. It's a weird mix. Like, I don't know if this can last forever for Netflix. Yeah, me neither. But it's at least nice that they're giving these projects a chance that, like... Right. Who would be giving them that chance otherwise? Yeah. You know? That's Mm -hmm. fair. So, I don't know. It's fun sometimes. Like, there's the really wild creative stuff is out there, but it's definitely very fringe. Like, Mm -hmm. we watched Mandy the other day. Oh, my gosh. Mandy is just, like, 100% Mandy and 0% anything else. (laughs) And like, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. But like, <laughs> that's funny. I don't. I'm sure it made very little money. And just oh my gosh, I could not imagine looked, that movie. Like, I don't yeah. imagine very many people saw it. But like, boy, it's cool. It's like, <laughs> here's my be- the best way I could pitch Mandy. Okay. They somehow found a way to make a movie with Nicolas Cage in the lead, where he could entirely be Nicolas Cage, and the movie would still be good. Yeah. What? It was good. Possible. It was really good. Oh my god! I, I don't think you would like it. It was at really, all. it was really mm. weird. I watched the movie upside down. Yeah, <laughs> I sat upside down to watch that movie. <laughs> nice, because it felt like it demanded that. Okay, it felt like I had to watch it upside down. That and sounds it, like artistic risk. Yeah, I dig it. It was cool. It's the only movie currently under under my letterbox tag of watched upside down. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, Probably I only like. Nicholas Cage in the uh, National Treasure movies oh, yes. as part of my childhood. Right, yeah. I don't it's like not he, that. He <laughs> disturbs me and everything else. He's just over the top and uncomfortable and a bad actor. Yeah. And somehow that but makes like this movie kind of work. Point. He doesn't have like to say he's an asset to this to movie. I can't I even believe he, his else. career is 
as good as it is. Love, well, he love, love it. just says yes to every project because he needs money. <laughs> That's fair. Essentially. That's fair. Also his why outfits. he's done like what you've got to like. I can't remember if I've showed you, but I need to show you his outfits from the Mandy premiere and from the Color Out of Space premiere because mm. he dresses real fun. He's a weird guy. <laughs> he is weird really dude. weird. He really wanted to be Superman. He almost Gosh. was. He almost was Superman. Nicholas Cage? Yeah. No. He bought like the original comic book like in preparation for his role as Superman. Jeez. He was manifesting it. Oh boy. And then it got stolen. Ah, <laughs> oh, fate stepped in. Yeah. Fate was like, oh no, sir. You're not going to disgrace this role. <laughs> uh, we'll Henry just let Cavill, where Henry you Cavill, at? <laughs> a really good actor who totally fits the role. And be in bad movies <laughs> that don't ah uh, man that is frustrating because it's like Henry Cavill is the perfect Superman and those movies are not the perfect mm. Superman movies. But love my boy Henry. Oh, I love him. I love him so. I'd much. I'd also marry him on the spot. He's sorry, really Ryan Gosling. Oh. oh my gosh. Mission Impossible Fallout is a movie that I did not really expect to think anything of, but he was he just stood out. Anyway. This, none of this has to do with Citizen we Kane once again. Anyway, sorry. There, but it's all good. This was rev- oh. relevant topics, though, to get on a tangent C- for. Yeah, it's all good. It was fun. Um, apparently, some have said that uh, the films of Paul Thomas Anderson have come closest, perhaps, to capturing the magic that Citizen Kane captured. Hmm. Like, There Will Be Blood and The Master, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, out. that makes sense. Like, that's the... F- uh, for some reason, that's immediately what my head went to when we were talking about it was PTA movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kind of maybe similar ways of looking at characters and mm-hmm. constructing things. We should watch Punch Drunk Love. I would love to watch ooh, Punch ooh, Drunk ooh. Love. And just other PTA movies that I have not seen. Right. I've only seen a few. They're all really Couple. good. We have one of them on this list. Indeed. If I w- did not have the strict rules that I gave myself on this list we would definitely have like four or five of them on here <laughs> because he really is just like probably the most, you know, out there interesting Ooh, director yeah. at the moment. Like mm-hmm. probably not the very most interesting, but he's pretty up there. It's just he somehow he makes a project and you're just like, I didn't, for some reason I just did not expect that somebody would make this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like Even though I know how you do things, PTA, I just did not expect <laughs> it again. Indeed. Um, uh, there's lots of people who really like this movie and say it's like their favorite thing. Ingmar Bergman did not like Citizen Kane. <laughs> Called it a total bore. Above Rude. all, the performances are worthless. The amount of respect that movie has is absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> wow, mean. Dang. Hey, hey, I have a question. I, don't know how I feel about yeah. that guy now. What did Hitler think of this movie? Uh. I have no idea. Did <laughs> not come across that weirdly. I need to know every movie Hitler's would've reaction. Uh, would have come did out actually, time. I'm pretty sure he had a notebook. I was reading. He has a little notebook and he logs the films that he used to log the films that he would watch and he would write little reviews on them. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Hitler was a little <laughs> film buff. He basically had a version of Letterboxd before Letterboxd. <laughs> Personal Letterboxd. Originated by Hitler. <laughs> oh. uh, don't oh. think about that too hard. I really don't like that Hitler was a film buff. Like, that makes me sad. I'm not going to do this. 
I was about to research it, but I'm oh. not going to. Oh, care. I believe in you. Not I'm just not gonna no, 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 no. It's okay. It's kind of a joke because we'll I feel like we've just later. tied Hitler in also right, a lot. No. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, don't I guess think he, I don't think he needs any more attention. No. You know, you know who did care about this movie? Who? who or who had a very bad who? reaction to this movie? Oh no. Um, because the character of Kane was kind of based on somewhat based on other like big media moguls and stuff mm-hmm. oh where'd i put his name hurst something curses curses my notes are bad I believe you. that was me during fantasia i was like i know i wrote this down yeah but i can't find it i'm gonna find it <laughs> i'm just constantly swiping yeah at all times like, oh, where's it, where's it? It? oh shoot i need you to go. be more organized so kane Roughly based on American media moguls, William Randolph Hearst. That was the big one. Mm. Uh, they also listed like Joseph Pulitzer and others. Hearst took this movie really badly. <laughs> <laughs> I guess some of them had known him, uh, like Herman Mankiewicz, who co-wrote the script, like had known him and kind of fallen out of favor with him and disliked him. Mm. And uh, Hearst forbade any newspapers that he owned from even mentioning the movie. <laughs> like... Oh my gosh. It was weird. There was a Dang. bunch of kind of drama around the release of this and I love it to get into that. But yeah, but the thing is it's not like I don't know how I would take personal offense at a movie like this if Right. Because it's it's not like, oh, rich man bad. Like it, it doesn't fully do that, I don't no. think. It does it a little bit, I feel like. Well yeah, but not all but the it, way. It feels it's weird. Um, like a movie that's has a lot of shades of grey in there. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know? Yeah, it, I don't know. I guess that can go into more just character study of Kane himself. But having that like weird branches of like trying to be very just like for the people, like help mm-hmm. the help the little guy get the information out there. Except he does that by running what I now know is called yellow journalism, where it's just like it's not really getting information and truth out there. It's just kind of exaggerating headlines to sell papers. <laughs> Right. Which is great for making money. Yeah. Not so good for spreading information. And like he has this weird back and forth where he's like, no, I'm going to like help people. And then also being like, I'm going to use the wealth that I've come into to like force the world to conform to the way that I want it to be. Mm -hmm. It's weird. It's interesting. Yeah. It's like obviously in the sense of, you know, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like it's bad. But it's also like, spending a lot of time delving into him as a character, mm-hmm. not just painting him as he's just a bad guy right. and then leaving and it at that. I, you really, know? I really love that he has that line where isn't it's like, if I may steal this from myself at the end of the podcast, something about like, <laughs> I think I would have been a great man if I hadn't been rich or something. Mm, yeah. Like that. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I, thought I remember that, was that really interesting. And they're like, how, there. how do you feel like you are now? And he's, you know, like, I think right. I'm, doing good under the circumstances i'm pretty okay like it could be a lot worse but like but i could have been great just there's something about i mean as we see covered in many instances there's something about just having obscene amounts of money that kind of changes people Mm -hmm. (laughs) it does Mm -hmm. so and that's why johnny depp likes to be in massive amount of debt at all times so so. he can just continue being the weirdo he is (laughs) yeah he wants to be a great man yeah (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, Interesting. No, I, as a character study, it's the kind of thing that just feels so complex that I 
that I think it does probably lend itself to a lot of rewatching mm-hmm. and your idea of who he is would kind of be constantly in flux because it's a real person. Like it's right. like it's a written character, but it's a real person in the sense that you don't just aren't just like, ah, these are the four characteristics of this person. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly what they would do every time, you right. know, the best mm-hmm. kind of aspects of a character where they're like, it feels consistent, but also like they're just kind of this very deep well that you could never quite find the bottom of. Right. Like, you know, that there's something else that if somebody does something like there's, there's definitely catalysts for them mm-hmm. doing things that feel kind of out of the norm for what they would normally right. do, but it also still feels like them. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's great. And it's I, I don't know how writing. somebody writes that, you know, I think it's impressive as hell the writing and the acting Mm -hmm. like he brought so much of himself into it i don't know like Mm. humans are multitudes Mm -hmm. yeah and so was he like oh i don't know i i definitely want to watch this again Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and uh, that is definitely something i've heard on a lot of reviews is people just being like man this is so rewatchable Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) don't mind if i do it indeed, it lives up, lives up to the hype for sure. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I remembered more funny stories. Uh, or one, he totally hurt himself making this movie. <laughs> really? Like, while tearing up the room, totally like cut his wrist up. That oh was bad. Gosh. There's the scene where he's like yelling at Gettys from the top of the stairs after like being found with Susan. Mm-hmm. Apparently, while shooting that, he fell like 10 feet and busted himself up. And he had to wear like a steel brace. Ow. Or no, he was confined to a wheelchair for two weeks. That was what it was. He was like directing from a wheelchair for oh like a couple weeks. Is that when they filmed the shots with the wheelchair? I don't know. Do you remember? Oh, mm, at probably. At the beginning? Maybe. With like the really, really shaky cam, yeah. like peering through the fences at him being rolled around in it a wheelchair. Be. Was that him? The, my source. My source. <laughs> Wikipedia. My source didn't is mention that, But um, it could be, honestly. It would make sense. That's but apparently funny. he did get back on his feet and that's when he had the brace and apparently in one of those really low angle shots probably just, I think the one where they stuck the thing in the floor um, when he's like having some confrontation with Leland I think you can see the brace apparently like under his clothes <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun too also I like that he put his own name at the end of the cast list mm. Mm. he didn't put himself in that like video list right of like, oh, these are the new people, and they show like right. a little. Even though he was person. new yeah. to film, right? He's the main dude, and he's like the bottom of the list. I thought that. Was yeah, like he just doesn't seem self-absorbed for him. Yeah, yeah. So rare. And I still don't think that, like, at least from the documentary footage that I saw, he didn't seem self-absorbed so much as he was like, "But you guys like me. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me just make this thing." Yeah. Like he mm-hmm. was so focused on the project. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, he was an artist. Mm-hmm. A real one. And I mean, that's the kind of, that's the kind of piece of art that like, I'm really glad is still around. Me too. Yeah. And that I really hope, I don't know. I don't like it. it and I've gone on this for so many times when people are like, oh, I don't like old movies. <laughs> I know. Whatever. It's, like, it's like, you're watching the like, wrong ones. You can, yeah. If you were really like able to get to the point of like, there's just, there's so, so much richness in appreciating a movie like this, yeah. you know, not in this like pretentious like, way of like, uh, you know it takes a lot of effort. Like you have to be really smart to like keep up. No, you just have to like put in effort to like, attention. Yeah. Just to, to try to see what, what's there. And I guess that's the thing is like, that's the way that I'm, I try to look at film is just like, what is actually there in that film to get out of it instead of like, 
what's it going to do for me? You right. Know? Yeah. Cause that's definitely the way, like we were talking about with like the MCU, like or something, you know, I just want that emotional, like bit of, yeah. you know, nostalgia, adrenaline, something. And then I'll go back home. You're and comfortable and it. you know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of having to be like, ah, but like, what can I get from this? Right. What does this actually have for me to try to get out of it instead of, yeah, that perspective of sitting there in your chair, like zoning out and it doing something to you. Right. Letting it happen. Yeah. I was talking to someone about the podcast oh, like last week or something. And they were like, well, when are you going to start doing movies I've actually seen? I was like, oh, mm. we just recorded Snow White and Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind and whatever. Not that we bank episodes. We would never do never, that. Never. <laughs> but they were like, oh, sweet. And I'm like, those are the worst movies I've watched so far. <laughs> like, <laughs> The those fact the that you're excited about Snow White and Wizard of Oz makes me really sad because you need to go watch Metropolis and Grand Illusion and, yeah. you know, Citizen Kane now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. People just don't know. Right. Yeah. Disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, so I have a rule that I've been, I've been following for the, the better part of a year. Actually, I think, I think I've been following that all year. I can't give a movie five stars until I've seen it twice. Mm-hmm. I really almost broke the rule for oh. this. I was just like, this oh. This just does deserve it. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's no no debate about it. Yeah. And it will do the same. Like, I, I know <laughs> this is just a five-star movie. And I still, like, I'm still debating whether or not I should just be breaking my rule. Because, you know, I've watched, like, I felt like I used to give five stars a little too easily. Yeah. Early on. I do, too. Um, <laughs> but I've watched, like, 200, 300 movies since then. You know, of like mm. having the practice of like, no, what like, what really does like matter? What sticks in my head? Mm-hmm. You know, what feels like it really has that kind of importance that to me in the long run. More about the movie than it does about your ability to stick to your rule, mm. too. I think it's mm-hmm. like, wow, that one deserves it. Like, it, yeah, out of all the films you've watched, mm-hmm. like it definitely. Like, I, I've there's a been, there's a few movies that I'll be like, ah. I'll probably, pro- there's probably a list of like 10 movies that I've probably asserted are the best movie of all time, <laughs> like at least once <laughs> or twice, true. you know, yeah. reading uh, the reviews of lots of Kurosawa movies. And you're like, this is the best one. And I'm like, okay. Kurosawa has so <laughs> many best ones. It's so hard to tell Yeah, for me. It's great. But a lot of those are like, ah, this hits me like for me, like personally in a way, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I, w- if I was listening, like the best movies that I feel like are just legitimately like. I can't imagine it being done better or this having more significance. Like I can't imagine there being another film with this kind of whatever is energy. I mean, that's like 12 angry men, which I'm excited to get into. That's citizen Kane for me. That's Patterson as well. Mm. And in a modern, you know, way it, it just has that kind of like somehow every piece just kind of happened to fall together in this like, infinitely rewatchable like somehow there, there's enough depth that's that your mind fills in the details actually that's something that Chaplin says um, is if you don't know how to deliver an emotion turn your back to the camera and the audience will fill that will do the acting for you mm. is what you would say fill the space. and a movie that can get to that point where it gives you just enough that you're constantly ruminating on it. Yeah. Is for me like that that kind of That's that kind cool. of thing. So yeah, Patterson Citizen Kane, Twelve Angry Men, just like really up there. Rashomon as well. I'll, I'll put Rashomon up there. Uh 
I wanted to mention that one because that one comes up, I guess, in the same conversation as this movie in some mm. ways because of the kind of multiple viewpoint flashback yeah. structure. Mm-hmm. And apparently, Kurosawa hadn't even seen Citizen Kane at the time he made that. Yeah, no, so it, like I, I would not have thought really he would paths. have. Yeah, yeah, so like they're kind of funny, but like sometimes talked about similarly. They do it in point. very different ways, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, it's very like at least in Citizen Kane, I feel like like maybe some of the narratives are kind of conflicting, but it's not immediately obvious to me, right. I guess. In ways, but that's that the I whole noticed. point of Rashomon. The whole point of Rashomon is that like everyone is completely different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rashomon's fun. Rashomon's really fun. We won't talk about it on this podcast. It'd be a little. Kurosawa definitely would have like three or four films on this list if I let myself. But but you know what? We'll just go for we'll go for Seven Samurai because unequivocally, everybody should see that movie. So indeed, I have perhaps a couple more pieces of trivia for you, and Mm. then I'm probably I'm probably done. Uh, One. This is just kind of a very small thing, but kind of fun. The the news on the march segment at the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. was uh, kind of satirizing, I guess, the march of time, which is kind of dramatized news documentary things that were shown in movie theaters by time. Yeah. And like that was the thing. And they were just like, here, we'll just do like that. And apparently it was edited by or like kind of edited and put together by RKO's newsreel division for mm-hmm. some extra authenticity, like gotcha. newsiness. That's really cool. Fun. And, um, you know, most of the actors coming from the theater, uh, Dorothy Cominor, who was Susan Alexander Kane, was not part of the theater group. Mm. Uh, she was discovered because uh, Charlie Chaplin knew her and had discovered her and mm. recommended her. What? To That's house. really interesting. Thank you, Charlie. So there's your Charlie Chaplin uh, drop for this. Heck yeah. Again. Yeah. Well, actually, I have a. You gave me another th- Chaplin thought though with the news on the march thing. Yeah. That is, uh, those newsreels is actually how like Chaplin and his son would hang out is they'd go to see those newsreels because, you know, they were like, I guess, you know, you don't want to go see, just sit down, sit through another boring movie that probably isn't going to be any good was their perspective. So that we'll just (laughs) go see the news. Nice. And that, that, that was something he was like really into doing Hmm. as well. That's cool. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. You know, I know I would be the kind of person that would do that (laughs) if those were around now. Kind of fun, yeah. Be interesting, uh-huh. yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's all the big stuff. At least the ones long that one. heckin yes. I found. Yeah, we're about an hour twenty in. So. An hour twenty? That's not bad. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's obviously so much more we could talk right. about with this film, but it almost feels like it requires multiple rewatches. Honestly, to yeah, I would mm-hmm. come back in on it. it again just before yeah. doing anything more. That would be another fun so. thing we could do on on the Patreon is Revisiting. like checking in on a, a movie we've watched in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, giving it a second round and like seeing what. Yeah what there is you know indeed anyway Anyway. well uh yeah thank you guys for listening uh if you want to give us a five-star rating that'll help people find us which would be great you could tell friends and then people Mm -hmm. listen to this and uh what else we got we got a patreon patreon.com slash movie overload sure we got (laughs) hopefully instagram (laughs) at movie overload pod twitter at movie overload underscore perfect our website is movieoverloadpod.com our gmail is movieoverloadpod at gmail.com send us send us a <laughs> bloody letter and, and hate tweets and hate tweets i would yes. love that please yeah and make sure to cuss us out in your review but still <laughs> give it five stars yes we can take it uh we got most of our links to things all of our links to things on our 
on our webby site. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't know. We, we haven't plugged it in a few weeks, but we do have the YouTube channel up. Yes. Where we it are exists. posting the, there's still the audio versions, but just for the people that prefer to listen on YouTube, mm-hmm. that's there. It's an option. You can just send that link to your friends. Be like, hey, what do you think of this pod? Uh, what do you think? Oh, what do you think? YouTube and Spotify are like the most commonly used platforms, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So for podcasts, yeah, or it's really surprising to me that Spotify is as big as it is because because mm-hmm. if I were to plug my personal favorite podcatcher, I feel like everybody should be using Pocket Casts, right? But, but if you're not like Spotify. a dedicated podcast listener, yeah, you probably still have Spotify, exactly, which just also happens to have podcasts so then you just kind of have a way in mm. and then I same use, with youtube it's like yeah. you don't necessarily go to youtube for podcasts but you have it and you already go there so so just you know. do it True. i don't necessarily go to stitcher or something like if i stumble yeah. upon a podcast on youtube i go find it on spotify right. <laughs> yeah right i use spotify exactly yeah but anyway, all of those things are available yeah. to you. Yay! <laughs> so congratulations. You can listen to us. <laughs> you on you, If you want to, you can listen to us once on every platform. Please. Go ahead. Please I mean, do I guess it. if you want. Just like, you know, w- these episodes are so re-listenable. Like, you can hear <laughs> last week's episode about how tired we were. <laughs> <laughs> so sleep-deprived. Uh, it was a good time, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It, maybe. I hope so. Hopefully. Time will tell how that it's, one is received. Fun. I'm really <laughs> interested to see, like... When we get far enough in that, like, we can tell the way our numbers, like, dip or, like, go up based off of the (laughs) most recent episode, you know? The Pantasia episode has, like, two views. (laughs) (laughs) There was some really interesting information in there. And I do think we had some fun detours. Yes. But some of them... They were just a little lengthy because we were too tired to realize. I'm just sleeping (laughs) verbally. I thought of a fun thing to plug. Uh, while looking at stuff about this movie on YouTube, there is a channel, I think, called 100 Years of Cinema. Hmm. They're more or less doing something very similar to what we're doing, but in a video format. Cool. And they do, like, at least one movie from every year. They're a little, they're definitely ahead of us, but, like, if you want something more like this in, like, roughly 10-minute videos, maybe also check that out. Because sure. they yeah, actually covered a lot out, of the Hunter. same movies that we've done, and they're, they're pretty good competition that's cool. mm-hmm. so yeah i'm that's just kidding yeah <laughs> in, in the interest of of being friendly <laughs> exactly like go check them out it's very Edits different this out like, later. style of content but just kind of hitting the same notes of yeah just being like here's a movie here's what it does that's cool like they did duck soup and like oh nice joan of arc and a lot of other things that's that fun done, so. yeah also yeah. duck soup is now on the criterion yeah. channel so if you <laughs> missed out on on watching that at the time you can go back now. Yay. Uh, and as, I mean, I guess we do recommend in general, like you mm-hmm. you'd probably be best served by watching the movie before listening to the episode, but yeah, for sure. We, we try to make it so you don't have to absolutely. Yes, have yeah. To. But movies like this are just like, it's kind of hard to talk about, right. you know, without you having and seen it. And it's not even something that like, I feel like you can spoil Citizen Kane and not ruin it. Yeah. Like it doesn't, really matter it's i feel an like experience. it's more just yeah going through it and getting the details mm-hmm. the small things like i mean undoubtedly i i, I was glad that i did not remember mm-hmm. the rosebud thing like i i definitely had been mm. told that before yeah but i didn't really remember until i saw it gotcha mm. and i do feel like that was nice it's a fun reveal but yeah yeah but it also like it doesn't 
again it doesn't entirely mean everything you know right. it's, it's not it's one aspect it's not a twist movie mm-hmm. it's not a reveal movie it's not a it's not a mystery box really mm-hmm. like that's kind of kind of the point i guess right it kind of presents itself that way and then kind of settles on like well i guess we don't have the answer and maybe it just doesn't really matter and then kind of gives you the answer but like at that point you're like does it matter right because it kind of does but also not it's all the way him him specifically saying like like a jigsaw puzzle mm, yeah. really hit like a missing like piece that. to a jigsaw puzzle because it's like right we actually just one we part all just of this mass. last week finished a really giant yeah. jigsaw puzzle and there were like a miss one missing piece or two and it was like on one hand this is frustrating but on the other hand you st- still ha- kind of have most of the picture and mm-hmm. it's like well you want that thing really bad that doesn't change everything yeah and i just thought it's that just was like part. a very effective metaphor even though like you know the missing piece in the puzzle is like i don't know it's a it's kind of a cliche but like the way it's done here just hits different yeah i liked the way they did that it was yeah. kind of small and quick but i was like ooh. also shout out to the fact too. that like that reporter is like in shadow the entire yeah. time and you never mm, fully see his really face cool. yeah. apparently like Artsy. they said a bunch of the people in the room after the newsreel who are shadowed are like actors that appear in other roles later or oh, something and okay. you just don't realize it because you can't really see their faces right i have not confirmed who these people are but i read that that was true and I agree that, like, yeah, like, you'd never really get a... His face is not drawn attention to, at least. Like, even yeah. if it's kind of better lit, he's not, like, in focus. Mm-hmm. And they usually see the back of him or he's in shadow. And it is cool. Yeah, because he's not, he's not the point. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a role that's kind of carrying you through the story. Like, he's the person who, like, goes to a, a person and is like, hey, tell me about the dude. And then they do. But he's not the end all be all of the story you know he's not someone that you need to yeah connect with it's not a character yeah per se it's good i, I just really like the details where he's like yeah we don't need to like we don't need <laughs> to feed this bit to you we, you don't need to have this piece but mm-hmm. you can have this piece and just mm-hmm. like very like when people are very intentional in their storytelling of like what information the audience does have right and that's just like done to the level that this is done it makes a movie far more interesting even if you're removing information you know Mm -hmm. which is wild i love the way that our brains work it's pretty great (laughs) it makes like stuff like this so much more interesting yeah totally anyway my small other note (laughs) is that in discussing that i remembered how fun and quirky old leland is Mm -hmm. in the hospital and I love him. He really wants a cigar. He really wanted that cigar. And just like the way he was done was. He well, was just it talking was about those nurses directly in front of them. Yeah. Like everybody else is so like old and sad. And he's just like, yeah, he'll just like without missing a beat, like be talking, call for the nurse, keep talking, talking about the nurses in front of them. Like, I don't know. He was great. That's it. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a fun <laughs> character. I probably wouldn't like him in real life, but he's fine. right. Uh, cool. Well, thanks guys oh, for times. listening. Uh, wait, did we, we, we said how we rated this, right? Like uh, it's a five star. You, yeah. Five it's, stars. it's basically a five. I don't know. Did we all give it four and a half? I feel like actually? I put four and a half. Yeah. But right. I don't know why. Cause now because talking about it, I'm like, a five. <laughs> right. I know I've doubted right. myself and I don't know why. This was one that like for me definitely hit the part of like objectively a five. I don't know if my like 
if it's hit that like special personal enjoyment right you have like a very small group of five star right like my my five star level is kind of different even from yours where it's like a five has to kind of hit some combination of like technical excellence more or less but also like it means something to me like more and it's right like, like it's like it's informed your life it's a movie i would save if my house was burning down you know like right it's that kind of thing and yeah i don't know if it's that i feel like me. it could be that yeah. could on rewatches be. yes I, I would agree yeah. with that. so i will give it another shot for sure but for now it's a four and a half for me and, and it'll be a five and for, you in for the me it's <laughs> it's at this point very hard to tell whether i like this more or less than like grand illusion yeah but it's it's up sure. there Definitely. Time will tell. Rewatches will tell. They're they're all in my top fifty. So, yep. um, all right, cool. Hooray. Well, cool. Thanks, guys. We did it. We hit the movie TM. And as we say at the end of every episode oh of the movie Overload <laughs> podcast, I meant to prepare for this one. You can reuse uh, the other quote. There's literally like I'm not gonna say it. I refuse. Rose. Pie. No. <laughs> That's the, like the lowest hanging of all fruit. But yeah. it's funny. But you, you realize that like, you don't even go for the lowest hanging of all fruit. So you just sit there. It's <laughs> just like I, no. I need something. Most of the time, I'm protesting the fact that I have time, to say words. I literally can't remember a single line from any movie. Yeah, exactly. Like I just I get to that point and it's just like my mind goes blank because nothing stuck at, like stuck out unless I wrote it down or something or it like was really great. And I'm, I am perhaps because now I'm like scrambling. I'm like, do I remember lines? Maybe, but like anything specific other than the first line of the movie, which was apparently the last scene they filmed. That's mm. another point of trivia. That's interesting. They filmed the death scene last. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm Charles Foster Kane. <laughs> there you go. That's what he says. He says his name. Cool. Uh, that's Good what job. we say at the end of every podcast. Purple bacon, red Purple pineapple, bacon. blue banana. No. We like yes. uh, wee bear bears. Corgi anyway. party. Corgi party. Yay. That's the end. Let's All get right. out of here before See you we folks. drive right, down. Bye. Bye. Bye.